0: peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be always with you. The scripture lesson for this fifth Sunday of Easter is found in the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 14. During a commencement address at Harvard University, the graduates gathered in Memorial Chapel to hear the Reverend Peter Gomes offer words of solace and encouragement as they left college to take their places in the world. He told them, You are going to be out of here for good. Most of you are not ready to go. The president is about to bid you welcome into the Fellowship of Educated Men and Women. And you know just how dumb you really are. The senior class cheered in agreement. And worse than that, the world and your parents in particular are going to expect that you will be among the brightest and the best. But you know that you can no longer fool all the people, even some of the time. By noonday today, you will be out of here. Nevertheless, there is reason to hope. The future is God's gift to you. God will not let you stumble or fall. God has not brought you to this place to abandon you, or to leave you alone and afraid. Thus, my beloved and bewildered young friends, do not be afraid. Similar words are spoken by Jesus to the disciples in our text today. Traditionally, this text has been described as part of Jesus' farewell discourse. His last words are spoken to his disciples, his students, who have been studying with Jesus for three years. They have observed him, listened to him, and hung on to every word. They have formed their own opinions of Jesus and what he has meant when he would teach them in parables. And like most students, when they graduate, the disciples know that they are not ready. For you see, graduation for the disciples means that they will soon be separated from their rabbi, their teacher, Unlike the normal separation of teacher or professor and student at graduation, Jesus is telling them that he is going to die. So these students, these disciples, not only are going through the separation anxiety that all students face at graduation, whether it is from their teachers or their fellow students, they're also having to deal with the question, what does Jesus's death mean for us? And that is a very scary question indeed. Jesus speaks important words for our transitions in life, whether they are graduations or other types of transitions, such as finding our new normal when circumstances have changed the ways we have always done things. As we try to adjust to new circumstances, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Many of us choose a lifestyle without ever experiencing what Jesus describes as the life. For you see, a lifestyle is a group of personal choices. It is the blend of our preferences in clothing, vehicles, music, recreation, food, electronics, and the way we consume ideas and things. Something either does or does not fit our lifestyle. Magazines such as Town & Country and Gentleman's Quarterly Allow us to monitor the choices we have made, to compare them to those who are more tasteful, affluent, and influential, and to signal to others that we do or do not belong in their set. Indeed, we tend to seek out those whose lifestyles are similar to our own. We herd together. What this means, however, is a lifestyle is different from a life. A lifestyle can be adjusted by a new purchase. Or investing in a new exercise routine. A life, on the other hand, is in all of us. A life tends to be messier than our lifestyle, harder to change, and often involves challenges. A lifestyle, like a card game, is composed of the cards we lead with, the ones we lay face up on the table to show our strength. On the other hand, a life is every aspect of who we are. Every card we hold, weak and strong. Watching your favorite movie on Netflix is a lifestyle. Staying up all Saturday night with a sick child is a life. When Jesus gathered around the table for his last meal before his death, he knew that the words he spoke would be the last ones the disciples heard. He tells them that he is about to die and then says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Notice he did not say, I am the way, the truth, and the lifestyle. The difference is important. Jesus offers us abundant life, not a little bit of religion as a part of our leisure activities to make us feel good. He offers us a life in which every facet, the suffering as well as the joy, is an arena for God's saving grace. I recall an article by a recent college graduate in the New Yorker magazine. He described the tension between having a lifestyle and having a life. On the one hand, he wanted to live the good life, full of bay windows and summer vacations and dinner out whenever, and on the other hand, to live a good life at peace with myself. We, too, experience the tension between fitting the pieces together to make for pleasant existence and finding the completeness in a life that makes for peace. Another difference between a lifestyle and a life is that a lifestyle is a matter of personal choices and a life is a calling. Whether we shop for clothes at Saks Fifth Avenue or at Target is a lifestyle. We choose a vegetarian or steak and potatoes diet. We choose whether to be a jogger or a bridge player. A life, however, is not always about choice. Life takes us places and gives us experiences that we would not choose. This is especially true of a life that has been made rich in faith. It is not a vacation, but instead a vocation that will take us down paths not of our choosing. Early in his medical teaching career at Bellevue Hospital in New York City, Lewis Thomas heard a report from one of his interns about a patient who had spent two weeks in the hospital with pneumonia and meningitis. The intern had been up all night between observing the patient and consulting with senior physicians in the infectious disease ward. The intern had done everything he could, everything he could think of for the patient. But the patient, nevertheless, died. When the intern presented the case to Thomas and his peers, he began crying. Thomas said, I knew that those tears were not of frustration, but of grief, and realized for the first time what kind of hospital I was in. The intern had a life, not a lifestyle, a life that sent him to situations he could not fix. It was a life that called him to pour out all he had for the people he could not heal. Tears and grief would not have been his lifestyle choices, but a vocation of healing and tearful compassion led him to the place of peace. I am the way, said Jesus, the truth and the life. He didn't say that any particular ethic, doctrine, or religion was the way, the truth, and the life. He said he was. He didn't say that it was only by believing or doing something particular in the world that you could come to the Father. He said that it was only by Him, by living, participating, being caught up by the way of life that He embodied, the life that is His way. More than a hundred years ago, Charles Sheldon wrote a book titled, In His Steps. It begins at a little church where a man down on his luck goes to worship one morning. At the end of the service, he walks down front to explain to the congregation how he had sought their help but couldn't find any. He wasn't being mean. He was just stating his experience. Suddenly he collapsed and was taken to the hospital where he died. The pastor was shaken by this episode. He preaches about it next sunday he challenges his congregation for a whole year to live with the words what would jesus do this is where that expression comes from a book written in 1897 the phrase what would jesus do has become so familiar to us but accepting jesus this way as a lo- way for our life still comes down to that it means being willing to live with a simple question What would Jesus do in my shoes? Many have contemplated an answer to the question, what would Jesus do so that my life may have substance, so I may experience life as God intends. Charles Schultz, the creator of the Peanuts comic strip, tells of his wrestling with the meaning of the way of life. He said, sometimes I lie awake at night and I ask, is life a multiple choice test? Or is it a true and false test then a voice comes to me out of the dark and says we hate to tell you this but life is a thousand word essay in other words when others see us they don't see the texts we read the creeds we recite the words we use in our worship they see how we live god shows up in our lives we are signs of god made real in the flesh like it or not we are known by how we live together how we treat one another and how generous we are sharing what god has entrusted to us we know this don't we we are known as a church as christians by whom we welcome and by whom we turn away whom we heal and whom we hurt what we nurture and what we ignore We are known as Christians, as a sign of Jesus here in our day, by our love for one another, for the stranger, and for the rest of God's creation. We are the ones now who show the way. We are the ones who become for the world either the truth or a lie. We are the ones through which life is perceived in our day. The central character in the movie Mr. Holland's Opus is a dedicated music teacher named Mr. Holland. He dreams of becoming a famous composer. He dreams of living in Hollywood and writing theme songs for movie, but he never gets to do that. Instead, he spends his entire career working with high school students. He works with a red headed girl with pigtails who wants to play the clarinet, but no one else believes in her. He works with an African-American student who wants to play the drums, but has a terrible time finding the beat. He works with a streetwise kid who has a lousy attitude and is down on the world. Mr. Holland helps them all, and hundreds of others like them. When Mr. Holland retires, he begins thinking of all the dreams he had that did not come to fruition. He never went to Hollywood. He never became a great composer. He cleans out his desk and begins exiting the building, but he hears a noise in the auditorium. He opens the door and sees that it is filled with his former students. They give him a standing ovation, and then the girl with pigtails, who has grown up to be the governor of the state, announces over the microphone, Mr. Holland, we know that you never got to become that famous composer that you wanted to become. But don't you see? Your greatest composition is what you did for all of us, your students. We are your greatest opus. We are the music of your life. Mr. Holland lived a life of helping others because the people, helping others become the people that they were called to be. While he never had the lifestyle of a famous composer, he nevertheless had an incredible life of reflecting the love of Christ by bringing out the best in his students. How about you? Are you immersed in keeping up a lifestyle or have you accepted the good life that Christ offers? For Jesus has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. May we each pray, Jesus, what would you have me do today? So we may receive life and live it abundantly, reflecting Christ's love. May it be so, Lord. Amen. Amen.